28. Yes, I said 28. Here we are, bottoms up, episode 28. How's everyone doing tonight? I'm I'm doing great. Nobs, yeah. welcome to the house. Yeah. The tweaker is in the house. <laughs> and joining us also tonight again, uh, returning from last week's triumphant episode is Spooge. How's it going, Spooge? It's going good. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, cool. Good to have you here. <laughs> and uh, just like last week's episode, uh, we're we're missing uh, one of the main cogs in the machine, uh, Blato. Uh, he's still out of town taking care of business, personal business. So uh, we are anticipating him being back for episode 29. Everyone's keeping their eyes and fingers crossed. And uh, hopefully he'll be back in the fold with us next go. So I think we should have a beer for... For, for Blotto. I think so. That's an yeah. outstanding way to start this show. <laughs> like, we needed an excuse. <laughs> so, Nobs... Listeners are all surprised. Like, what? They're drinking beer? <laughs> Nobs procured and provided the beer, so we will let him uh, describe. Yeah, I saw this. Uh, it's from Oddside. It's called Beer Me. Beer Me. It's uh, just an American lager. I... Kind of liked it just how simple the can is, just a silver can with a silver label that literally just says, Odd Side, Beer Me, American Lager. So, and I, funny, you did the same thing. You pulled it out of my fridge and you're like, eight pack of cans, it's on the rings. <laughs> and typically when you see a craft beer and it's rings like that, it's pulled out as a four pack. So I just kept pulling out this beer and I'm like, <laughs> what is this, what's happening here? Is this a dream? Yeah. <laughs> But being that each one is only, what, 4.5%, I think it was, yeah. it, it basically is just half a beer yeah, per can, it's, really. It's, yep, that's essentially yeah. so eight. So. It really is only a four-pack. You know, that this beer me thing is very nostalgic for me because this isn't just called that for the heck of it. That's It was a very popular thing, like, back when I was in my, probably my 20s. Beer me, beer me. Right. right. That was very prevalent back then, so... This is like a throwback Thursday kind ah, okay. of game, but on a Saturday. So you're you're probably too young for that, but well, I only remember from the office. It was a running yes, gag on there was where definitely. I can't remember the the character's name, but he would say "beer me" for anything he wanted. So it was like, is that Kevin? No, but it would be like "beer me to Long Islands." <laughs> Doesn't really fit, but okay. I remember that. There's lots I don't remember. <laughs> so anyway, mostly because of all the beer me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> beer who? <laughs> so this is a really light looking beer, but uh, we found that with lagers. Yeah. So light, nice golden color. Uh, when I poured it initially, it had a decent little head on it. It went away. But um, what do you think, Fred? Bye bye. Um. Yeah, it's very light and hmm, hmm, almost doesn't have enough potency flavor-wise right. for me. It's uh, I'm, I'm not actually picking up anything. anything to really talk about. Nothing's coming. Nothing's going. Nothing's arriving. I think it's a lager. It it sure is a lager. Yeah, but that's really about it. Yeah. It's better than the Pilsner we had a few weeks ago. Yes. By a long shot. Every, everything is, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad we had enough people that day to finish all those cans so it wasn't sitting in my fridge. Yeah, we had the guns against their heads. 
finish it. Finish the the Pilsner. Get it out of my house. No, it, it's actually it, it, it's not offensive or anything. No. It just I guess I'm just so used to all the different hyper flavors. Yeah. This is just a lager. It, it, it's very basic. I mean, it, it kind of follows the theme of the label. I mean, it's just beer me. It's beer. Uh, it might go well with the day of mowing the lawn. It's a yeah, good it activity beer, a good light beer. Um, That's an interesting yeah, connection with the can, though, because they're both very simple. Yes. You know exactly what you're getting. Yep. So I can. it kind of makes sense. With the Eagle to throw America in there, it's yep. all there. Got it. So it's very basic. Oddly enough, I would probably order another one of these just because it drinks super easy. Mm-hmm. So... It, it it lacks a lot of the things I look for in mm-hmm. beers that are for me, air quotes. But uh, I would order it under another one if there was nothing else to, you know. If I was in the mood for a very light yes. drink, like mm-hmm. uh, like at dinner time or something, and at a restaurant, like eating outside a light meal, yeah, I might go for a lager. That's a good grill beer. Light. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, for now I'll say it's for me. I think I'm gonna lean more towards the man. Like, I'd have to order in a certain situation, so I really can't put my full stamp of approval on it. Okay. Spooch, any ideas? Um, I will, Like I said, I mean, it's, it's very basic. I would approve it as a... I wouldn't go out of my way to drink it just to sit and drink a beer. This is the beer that I would only drink in a case of, like I said, being back, getting the lawnmower ready, grilling up something on the grill... It's for a situation like that. I wouldn't go out of my way when there's something else available. Ooh, a situational beer. Yes. Yeah, it's very yeah, situational. Yeah, we yeah, haven't but I mean, had one determined that yet. Yes. A, <laughs> at $10 for an 8-pack? It's not that bad of a value. No, it's not. That's actually pretty good. We're not, it's not fireworks, but it's <laughs> yeah. beer. It's, and that's what we're looking for. Nods of approval. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see that. But. <laughs> so, Blatto is not with us physically, but uh, he, he can't keep himself from being entangled in uh, Potoms Up going on while he's away. <laughs> and uh, he, he wanted to contribute this week, even though he couldn't be here. So uh, he took time out of his out-of-town schedule to work on some uh, fact-checking. And uh, we'll let Nobs take, take care of that for us. Some uh, big shoes to fill. <laughs> so we talked about um, the sale of weapons to Saudi Arabia, and there was some question about how much it was. And it looks like it's approximately $8 billion. $8 billion. With a B. So good chunk of change. What did we see? I think I said like $60 billion, and I think you were in the yeah, hundreds and of millions. I, I got confused with millions and billions. Apparently, that's like an Austin for Powers me. thing. Yeah, exactly. One <laughs> million dollars. <laughs> But, uh, no, it was $8 billion, <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, we also talked about sealed indictments and um, statute of limitations, what that means for that. Uh, apparently, it's a bit of a gray area. It does not necessarily mean that it freezes the statute of limitations, simply because of the right to a speedy trial. So if you're holding on evidence and not going through and indicting somebody, um, it's apparently against the amendment. So, you know, that that seems kind of scurvy to me that they're saying, what is that, Sixth Amendment? Yes. Right to a speedy trial. But yet at the same time, they can delay things. Mm-hmm. Like, 
like the president is doing now. Yeah, he's running things out by you know doing all this obstructionary stuff. Mm -hmm. Why is he allowed to do that when we can't freeze? Well, I guess it's also never really been tested in court either, so it may come down to this be the time, but I guess we'll see. Mm. Okay. Uh, lastly, um, this is when I looked up myself because I talked about Trump's golf course in Ireland and some of the drama behind it and said it could be causing um, like flooding issues, ecological damage to the countryside. That was incorrect. Looked it up and the problem is it's a golf course on the coast and uh, the ocean is eroding part of the golf course and the beach. So Trump has filed for a permit to have a seawall built around the golf course to protect it. The reasoning for that, he cited, was climate change. <laughs> well, what an ass. How many, how many tweets have we seen where he has denied climate change? So apparently it's only real if it benefits him in yes. any way. So. It isn't just tweets. It's uh, defunding every scientific organization in the government. Yep. Uh, oh, every interview, every yep. uh, rally. It's just... One of my number one things is how he has you know, defunded EPA and yes. regulations and everything. I live on the water. I want water protected. And he even put climate deniers in the staff position. So it's right. just they have... It's it's completely crazy. It's all hypocritical bullshit. That's what it is. So. Unless it means saving his golf course. Yep. Which has operated on a loss every single year, by the way. <laughs> loses loses approximately a, a million dollars a year. Million with an M, not a B. That's all? Yep. No, yep. He only too. loses a million dollars a year on it. It's not bad. That's, yeah, and his taxes, though. That's probably to his advantage. That's small compared to some of his other losses. <laughs> <laughs> Which have B's in front yes. of them, not, not M's. <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks for doing that, Nod. Yeah. And uh, so, just like last week, um, since Blotto's not here again, we lack structure and preparedness. So, uh, last week, if you weren't with us, what we did is we kind of went into a free flowing, uh, we called it the Brawless Round Table. <laughs> Are we settling on that? Format. I don't know. Why not? <laughs> It's a little cold to go like that today. Yeah, well, yeah, it is. <laughs> so what we're going to do is uh, we, we've all kind of jotted down some ideas of uh, current stuff that went on during the week, and we're just going to bat some of those ideas around, and uh, we'll start with knobs. Oh, you start with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had one that was uh, chronologically maybe the oldest, so thought it was a good place to start. Yeah, I don't know if you guys know or not, but did you know that the moon is a part of Mars? <laughs> Gotta get my telescope out and check that out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so which part is cheese? <laughs> I thought Mars was a candy bar, so it must be candy bar and cheese. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> so what's this all about? But anyway, uh, last week he tweeted out, for all the money we are spending, NASA should not be talking about going to the moon. We did that 50 years ago. They should be focused on the much bigger things we are doing, including Mars, of which the moon is a part. <laughs> Defense and science. What does that even oh, mean? Space Force, baby. <sighs> it's one of, this is one of those rare moments to where I'm reading a tweet and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like I actually kind of agree with this, which is weird. 
But then he just puts his foot in his mouth and just comes off sounding like an ass. Like he doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm all for space exploration. I think we should be going to Mars, funding NASA. That's all great. But no, like, I don't understand any of what he's saying as far as <laughs> the moon is a part of Mars. So did you guys get that at all? Like, does that translate at no. all to anyone else? No, no, no. no and the, uh, the wife of the queen of alternative facts, Kellyanne Conway, George Conway, decided to put a picture on his Twitter feed of the moon protruding from Mars. And it's a, quite a sight. So if anyone has access to his Twitter feed... Highly recommend it. Great comedy. Wasn't it sort of like the Mars was split in half and the other half was the moon or something like that? I think there was a face on the moon and it was struggling to get oh, a lot of Mars. I believe so. I'll have to look at it again. But yeah, it was it was entertaining. And of course, their interplay is amusing in and of itself apart from that. But surprised <laughs> the moon's not trying to get away from Earth. Or anything. Like, yeah. Fuck out of here. No, that's a good point. People are crazy. And you, you know, you, you mentioned Space Force. Yes. I thought back in May that there was supposed to be some plan for going back to the moon for 2028 and then Pence made some announcement that they weren't waiting for 2028 they were going to do it by 2024 and now a month later now you've got the president president saying screw the moon you did it already let's go to Mars which is you know but it's like the part. typical contradiction yeah, of that of this administration. So that's you know, probably going to have to be fact check. But and, and like Nobbs was saying, it's it's great. I was encouraged too. I read the first part of the tweet. I'm like, okay, he's talking about this. Maybe he gets it. And then ten seconds later, it's all over. Yeah. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Almost makes you wonder. Like, did someone like kind of write that tweet like out on his phone and say, here, like, just click send. He's like, nope, that's and then part of the moon. Put that in there. Can picture that. Yeah, because the rest of it just sounds good. Like the speech we talked about last week. Like, well, it was a very professionally written sure. speech by someone else. Yep. But there's always a caveat. Yep, then he just <laughs> goes off the rails about something. So. Speaking of space, Sarah Sanders is leaving the White House and as the press secretary and making space for... Possibly somebody else. Uh, I think this is nothing but a hugely positive thing that we don't have to see that face on the TV anymore. Mm -hmm. Even though she's basically killed off the daily presser as yes. we know it. I think it's been, what, 160 days yeah, or something since she's done one. So that's not all bad. Uh, w one thing I, I do take a great glee in noting is that... Uh, Sarah Sanders um, was immortalized as a certified serial liar in the Mueller report. So for all history and for all ages, that blathermouth that always called out other people for fake news and lies and all that, she's in print and in a historical document that will never go away. So I think that's hilarious. And uh, the other thing I thought I had heard is uh, she had aspirations of going to Arkansas and running for governor. So, Arkansas, you deserve yes, her. Yes, <laughs> Yeah, Trump even put it in a tweet. Did of course he really? did. Yes. <laughs> so, what was her reason for leaving? I, I still haven't seen the reason for it. Oh, I have not. I, I don't know why she's going. I, I don't believe 
she's being forced out. Yeah. I mean, they don't have any ethics or standards right. there. So her being part of the Mueller report. That was my first reaction is just documented in this report. So kind of get her out of the administration. But no, they don't care about that. So No, why would they care about that? No, I... I I thought it was odd too. I, I I hadn't heard that she had something else lined up. Mm-hmm. A better opportunity came along. Maybe she's just sick and tired of getting her brains punched in every day. <laughs> I, I I really don't know. Can you imagine having to work for a dear leader and, and try and keep all the lies organized and straight <laughs> every day? Can you imagine the toll that would take on you? Do they do that though? Do they keep the lies straight? <sighs> I have no idea, but. I say good riddance to her, and uh, thanks for the alt memories. Um, alt memories. Didn't you have a couple things to add to this? Yeah, they're actually entertaining the idea of bringing someone in. They're talking about three people right now. Um, there's Steve Cortez, who was uh, one of Trump's favorite uh, spokespeople when the campaign was going on. He would show up on all the different cable networks, just supporting him at every turn. He's one of the candidates. Uh, there's Hogan Gidley, who is uh, currently the deputy press secretary. Uh, he's on the list. And also uh, the director of communications for the first lady, uh, Stephanie Grisham, is being discussed for the position. Uh, they sound like they want, they're interested in putting a woman in the position again. And there has been some buzz on cable news that they actually want to get back to the briefing. But with a discernible tilt to the 2020 election mm. and it becoming almost a campaign device instead of a daily briefing. So we'll see how that turns out, but I, I wouldn't put it past them. What was whatsoever. the second name? The second name was uh, Hogan Gidley. Do you think that guy got beat up a lot? <laughs> I think so. Growing up? He is a mousy little gentleman. I mean, Hogan Gidley. <laughs> yep. I think he'd, he'd get punched just for having that name. You know? yeah, he didn't even have to do anything even weird. Even interviews, he just, he's just that squirrely little guy that you just, oh. So, I, I don't know. It's just, we'll, we'll find out, I guess. But he's the deputy press secretary, so it would probably be the easiest conversion. But they, the name I keep on hearing is Stephanie Grisham. So we'll see how that goes. You know, one of the reasons I, I had heard floated around, one of the reasons that they kind of, stopped with the daily pressers anyways is because uh the president basically told her he goes there's no point in doing it and then um yeah i do wonder if that governorship i don't know what the standing is in the position but i don't know if it's coming up for re-election anytime soon in arkansas or what but i could picture that being a reason he wants someone like that in that position Talk about an ally in the governor's seat. I mean, that's would be huge for him. I thought of the second reason. The second reason was because, if you think about it, the main press secretary for the White House anymore is yeah. him. He's his yeah. own pr- press secretary. He, why why should she go through that stuff when he he changes things on people he comes out and speaks for himself so and the administration has come out and said before that his twitter feed is official presidential releases oh yeah so it does make sense yeah sarah sanders is leaving but kellyanne conway is staying (laughs) of course uh kellyanne conway one of our favorites um 
the Office of Special Counsel, not to be confused with Robert Mueller, I guess it's a government federal watchdog, has recommended after, um, I guess it's an investigation of Kellyanne, uh, she has repeatedly broken the law, uh, the Hatch Act, it's called. And uh, basically what it comes down to is the Hatch Act is if you are a government employee or part of an administration, you are not allowed to use your position in any way to either promote or damage a, a politician running for office or an appointment yes and just like the rest of them they don't care where they are or what they're doing they'll blurt out what they want when they want and she has repeatedly abused and violated the hatch act and i, I guess this office of special counsel got sick of it mm. and they made a recommendation to the white house to fire her and let me ask you guys do you think they're going to fire her <laughs> no no no, no. Presidents thought it was she's doing a great job. She's a great person, and there's no reason to let her go. And and it sounds like, yes, she's broken the law, but there's like not a lot of teeth to this because if the if the White House won't react to it, basically all you can do is blame and shame. Yep. Right. right. That's sort of what they're doing now because it's pretty clear that. They're not going to get rid of that snake, so. And of course, they're turning it around to, oh, here they go. They're preying on poor Kellyanne. Poor. Kelly. And around we go as usual. So. She's a snake. It seems to be really typical though, with not having any bite to any of these policies no. and rules, though. And, he, and he, like you can say whatever you want, and it's just. But there's the, no repercussions no, to it, other never. than shaming them. It's true. How do you shame an administration that doesn't care about it? You know, we 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 were off air talking about a problem with this administration is that like if this situation with Kellyanne had happened in the Obama administration this would have turned into a whirling shitstorm that would not only would have got that person fired but probably Obama impeached but the the, the rate and velocity of the yes. the scandals that happen on a daily basis with dear leaders administration that's why none of this stuff gets any real attention because they got to prioritize is it worth their mm -hmm. their time and how far down the line how far down the list would something like this be they, they can't keep up with the things he's doing on a daily basis when stuff like this come and it's a sneeze and no one no one does anything and no one seems to care I read an interesting comment earlier about all this happening and American population is becoming desensitized to it. Yeah. Where it's just, oh, it's just another day, another scandal, whatever, no big deal. That's just the norm. When it shouldn't be. Like you should be standing up uh, and you know taking action against this. Now but, the bar is so low now. Right. It's one thing after the other. You, just, you lose track and lose lose count. Like we say every week in pre show it yep. seems like is don't bother writing notes until Thursday or Friday because the stuff that happened on Monday is yeah. old news. Yeah, I started on Wednesday, and my Wednesday notes are long gone. There's yeah. nothing that I have here that I had written down that day. And, you know, that, that we're, we're talking about just our, our little podcast and, and mm -hmm. having to deal with that kind of stuff. But if you, li like, 
I'm I'm a Rachel Rachel Maddow follower. I love her show and I watch it. And at least you once. Never mentioned that. No, really. No. Have I been? Have you been in New York? <laughs> you know, I went to New York and I did the Thirty Rock tour, trying Front to runner. trying to stalk her and meet her, but I never did find her. But she'll even do that at least once a week. Uh-huh. She'll come in and open up her show, and she'll say, "We worked all day on a show. We had all this. We had an hour's worth of blah 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 lined up, but because of breaking news, we have to throw it all away." And I mean. She's just about as big of a talking head oh, sure. star as there is, you know, whether you like her or not. And, and it happens to them, too. They, they suffer the same problems oh, yeah. as, as we podcasters do. Just on, on such a much bigger scale. I don't yeah. know how they do. They probably have, a, they have pre-production meetings. I'm and sure they They probably walk into day. the studio with a script in mind. Yeah. And she's even said, like you said, she's even said, we had to scrap this. Five minutes ago, there was a tweet. <laughs> and it blows everything up. Yeah, yeah, and it's just, yeah, it's just like we were talking about this story about Kellyanne Conway and the Hatch Act. I don't remember how the how it fell in in chronological order, but then all of a sudden he talks to George Stephanopoulos, and every bit of news from the two days before it are gone, right. and it just takes over the next three or four days until the next thing happens. It's like there's no time to even get upset about some of these instances either, because like. Again, that's just all old news, and you have to get upset about something yeah. else. And then try to put yourself in the shoes of congressional oversight, trying to say, okay, well, what are we going to go after right now? Well, okay, we're going to look at this, and all of a sudden, something else over here happens. Yeah. It's called, and like, Whack-A-Trump. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a great game? I want Whack-A-Trump. <laughs> I don't know about a game, but it might be a show title. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> hmm. <laughs> you mentioned George Stephanopoulos. Yes. Moving on to our next uh, subject. This this was you mean the the wise guy. Yeah, wise guy. Yeah, the wise guy. (laughs) This is probably the the biggest news of this week, and it didn't go away because it is that big. Um, I don't know if you all saw it, but uh, George Stephanopoulos from uh, I believe NBC, right? ABC. ABC. I'm sorry. What's in a consonant? (laughs) Well, that would be a vowel as well. But uh, yeah, ABC, George Stephanopoulos, uh, for some reason, was allowed to do an interview one-on-one with Dear Leader, and it it was amazing, unbelievable. What's the term that Lotto made? Freak posturous. Freak freak posturous. <laughs> the the interview was bizarre overall, as they all are with him. But then it got to the question of, I guess it's the dirt on an opponent. Mm-hmm. Stephanopoulos asked the president about that, and he basically said it was okay to get dirt on an opponent from a foreign hostile country. That's kind of a ridiculous claim with everything that's going on with the Mueller report and all that investigation, and there being. No collusion, no collusion, an obstruction of justice. And then he says, I would do it. I would do it again. Are you kidding me? Like, you're going to go and for the past two years say, no, I didn't do that. But then you're going to say, yeah, I would do it. Yeah, he he said, why wouldn't you listen? Yeah. It's just information. Why wouldn't you listen? Then he went on to say it's basically common practice already. You see that about the congressmen? Like, they do it all the time. Yeah, he said they all do it. Yeah. 
all but, the time. And of course, they always bring it back around to Hillary Clinton. So of course, they had to, some of the Republicans that spoke after this went right into that. They said, "Well, it was. I would rather him not have said this, but oh, but Hillary's emails." That. And then Stephanopoulos too, in, in the same moment, was pressing and not pressing him on it a bit, and he. Now, how did this go? Was it the part about the FBI? Yes. Uh, Stephanopoulos pressed him and said, well, the FBI would probably want you to contact them in a case like that. And the president just came out and bluntly said, well, the FBI director is wrong. Yeah. To yeah. think that he just said it straight out. And that's everything that that's happened with the Mueller report and everything that led to it, that there couldn't be a more ridiculous statement. Yeah, to defy yeah. the head of the FBI and... Well, Christopher Ray, the, the head of the FBI, it was a month ago during some type of um, congressional hearing, he made that exact statement. He yeah. said, if a foreign hostile country comes to you with intelligence or dirt or whatever on an opponent, we would expect yes. mm-hmm. you to come to the FBI. It's not a choice. You, <laughs> and essentially, what the president's by saying he would take this information is he basically said he would be willing to break the law if this helped him to get reelected. I don't even think he considers it as breaking the law. No. Well, no, it is though. Well, it is. I don't <laughs> think he considers no. it as a law. And it's funny too because, of course, in the time that followed, he did a. Walk back, not really. Right. Because they talked to him after, and I think this was either a day or two. I don't remember exactly. I'll have to be fact-checked on this. But um, he started saying if it's something bad, yes, then he would. So he tried to correct it a bit, but still doesn't seem to understand it. But you know what's really illogical about that? You're trusting him to discern what's bad. <laughs> That's what the FBI is for. Right. That's their job. They have trained professionals. You know, you're not even supposed to look at this stuff. If someone approaches you per FBI directive and the law of the land, you're supposed to let them know immediately. But like Spooch said, uh, Stephanopoulos sort of pushed him on that, and he said, no, the FBI director is wrong just because he's decided it's wrong. And another thing about this interview and him announcing to the world, because the whole world sees this stuff, that he's more than willing to listen to what dirt you have, is mm-hmm. he's, he's putting out there an open invitation for China, for Russia, mm-hmm. for Saudi Arabia, for Norway. Because he did, he did mention Norway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, a big, t- they're, <laughs> they're a big interfering country, Norway. I never thought of it like that. On the open now. That well, no, he, he's basically saying we're open for business. Yeah. I'll it. take a look at what, what do you got you bringing. So he, like you had said, you got the Mueller report for two and a half years. We've been listening to no collusion, no collusion, no collusion. Now he's basically saying collusion is fine. And in fact, I'm encouraging it and we're taking all comers. Yeah. That's exactly what he did. And I think... Stephanopoulos was even sort of trying to help him walk it back during the interview, but he just kept going, you know? He just keeps digging. And there was a, an interesting quote is from a former federal prosecutor, David Weinstein. I just really liked the quote. It was, The comments made today show that he doesn't have even a basic grasp of the laws that exist in our country. 
That says it all. Yeah, yeah it does I think we can all, all agree on that. Absolutely. There's no idea what he's doing. So. No. You know what's amazing when when you think about how openly and honestly this guy shows the way he feels about the country and its laws. He, he doesn't give a shit about any of this stuff as long as it benefits and behooves him. And, and naturally, everybody on the left was outraged and horrified by this and is pulling their hair out or, mm-hmm. or, or their hair is on fire over it. And then you've got the people on the right side of the aisle where you actually picked up a pulse where a couple of them <laughs> actually spoke out against it, said it was wrong, you shouldn't have said it. But there was a number of Republicans, not all, of course, but a number of Republicans had had spoken out and said they were absolutely against this. He shouldn't have done it. You know, the, I don't think they went so far as saying that he'd be breaking the law if he did it, but they implied it. But then you you had the Democrats. It was either a resolution or a bill. It was just a simple bill that that you shouldn't have to do this. <laughs> you, you shouldn't have to make a point of this, but the bill basically spelled out that if a foreign hostile country approaches you with information, you have to go to the FBI. And you would think that the Republicans, because they openly said they were going to, you know, they, they were against this and all yes. they blocked it. They blocked it. It didn't even get to go to vote. The Grim Reaper and his boys blocked it. <laughs> so any of you who voted vote for the right, there's a good example of why you should stop. The, the HR1 bill we talked about before oh, yeah. still just blows my mind on how Democrats can pass it unanimously in the House and then just not be brought to the Senate. Yeah. It, it just gets killed. It can be the most obvious thing. There could be a bill that goes through saying, don't put your hand on a hot stove. Right. And only half of Congress would vote for it. Because the other side would be like, oh, well. Well, liberal brought that up. Yeah, exactly. We're not passing that. <laughs> and, Sorry, and, and, of course, and, and of course, it would be there'd be a prelude of Mitt Romney and Susan Collins and Jeff Flake when he was there coming out and showing initial outrage and all of a sudden they still vote with their Republican <laughs> friends. So it just, it just doesn't change. Meanwhile, Trump's putting his hand on Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, or looking straight at, uh, at an eclipse like he did. Yes. Time. <laughs> Is that Mars? <laughs> and then, then the icing on the cake. This just cracked me up. Speaking of something that shouldn't have to be done, well, this was an even bigger, this really shouldn't have to be done. Not at this level, okay? The, the chair from the FEC, the Federal Elections Commission was so horrified, outraged, and what's the other word? Freak posturous. Freak posturized. Freak posturous, whatever. By what dear leader did, she had to actually pen a letter on her letterhead stating, yes, dumbass, it's illegal to take information from a hostile foreign government that has to do with our elections. Dumbass, 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 dumbass. Signed, so-and-so. <laughs> Sincerely. <laughs> that just shows you how insane all of this is, uh-huh. that, that they have to do this stuff. It, it just shows you the direction this country is going under, dear leader. So it's just unbelievable. 
That's all I got to say about this. My blood pressure is sufficiently yes, up. up a little bit, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we're all going crazy. I ran. I ran so far away. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Had to do it. <laughs> it looks like we're heading towards a probable war with Iran. Uh, Pompeo and company are ginning up this, in my opinion, bunch of fake evidence. Uh-huh. And uh, for whatever reason, well, there's plenty of reasons, they want to get in there and get in a skirmish with Iran. I don't. I don't think dear leader wants to. No, I. I don't think he wants another war, but he's got all these crackpots underneath him that do mm-hmm. that are hawkish on this yeah. stuff. John Bolton. So it, in the Gulf of Oman waterway, there were two uh, fuel tankers that were attacked in some capacity this week, and it's funny. A month ago, there were rocket attacks in Iraq involved the U.S. to some degree. And then there was car bombing last August that neither one of them were attributed to Iran when they occurred. But now, all of a sudden, Pompeo is pointing his fingers as those are actions by Iran, hmm. along with these uh, tanker attacks that, that took uh, place in the Gulf of Oman. So they've taken events, they're rewriting history, and now they're trying to gin up all this fake news, fake evidence against Iran because they want to go in there and start a war with them. Um, and it, it's interesting, they were saying these these tankers were uh, attacked by magnetic mines. I think they, uh, what was the term? Did you remember the name for them? Oh, Limpet. It oh, reminds yes. me of the Don Knotts movie, yep. The Incredible Mr. Limpet, <laughs> with the Varum or whatever it was called. Yep. Das Limpet! <laughs> but these mines are magnetic, so they, the boat, the ships go near them. Right. They make contact and they explode. Well, that, that's what the U.S. is showing this, this film, this surveillance film. Of is this these, uh, from Zapruder? Zapruder? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Abraham Zapruder. Abraham Zapruder. It was an eight millimeter. Yeah, <laughs> but they're, they're they're showing this kind of fuzzy film, and they show this small boat come up, and they're saying, "There's the there's the Iranians. They're coming to collect this undetonated uh, uh, mine off the side of the boat, so they they can't get blamed for it." Okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> but one of the ships is owned by a Japanese company. Yep. And the Japanese company is saying, no, we didn't get hit with a mine. Guys on deck saw this thing flying through the air like a, a surface-to-air missile. And they're mm-hmm. saying that's what hit them. Yeah. So that blows blows a hole. Blows a <laughs> hole in Pompeo and does ginned up yeah. Yeah. excuse for going to war with Iran. I read it was above the surface of the water, so it couldn't have been a mine or a torpedo. And then it was also on the non-Iranian side of the water, so it doesn't make any sense of how it could have came from that direction. <laughs> so, like, nothing adds up. It's basically, again, to go back to the assassination, it's a magic yeah. bullet. Yeah. And someone threw the idea of a drone out there, but that quickly dissipated. It's just, I think they're just going through the Rolodex. <laughs> right, pretty much, like, it's like nothing matches up or makes sense. Well, th- this stinks of that weapons of mass yes. destruction with Colin Powell back, Dick Cheney, all yeah. those guys back, back with the Iraq war, you know. 
and Bolton was part of that. Yeah, yeah. Was, oh, yeah. It's and, funny who shows up yes. in both places, And right? it's funny that you mentioned Trump and how I do honestly think that who? he doesn't... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Dear, Dear leader. leader. Oh, don't you speak his name. Friend. Oh, You haven't earned that ranking. I, I don't get to have my second beer, do I? <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, Dear Leader... I do believe you're correct when you say that he doesn't want another war. That's one of the few things I believe that he actually says. What will be interesting is his Secretary of State and uh, National Security Advisor, Bolton, are the opposite side of that. I'm curious to see how this plays out because there might be a power struggle over this. And they're typically on the same side. And I do wonder, and it also raises the question, why Trump put Bolton in that position? He likes his mustache. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, wouldn't you? No, no. And he might have just thought he was a, a neat guy on Fox News that he watched every day because he was a pundit on Fox News. So it's just, I'm not sure where that comes together because he is completely the opposite of what Trump claims to be anti war. And, and Bolton, of all people, has had a boner to go oh, after yeah. Iran since back when his, that big mustache was maybe dark. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's has it's, been hangry yeah. to get into it with Iran. Oh, like crazy. You know what's cool about the whole Iran thing, though, is uh, Dear Leader actually was talking as if he wanted, was going to talk to uh, the Mullah or the um, the man in charge in Iran. I don't, I don't know what the designation is. And Iran is basically going, <laughs> F you. They, they will not talk to him. Which I think is pretty hilarious because it, it's all a, a oh, sure. dog and pony show, oh, yes. right? You know, but I think it's great that Rand is just going right there, <laughs> you orange clown. <laughs> we shall not suck the orange ass. <laughs> had to get it in. It no. had to go there again. So why, why do I do this? <laughs> I think I might be. I'm the opposite of you guys. I think he does want war with Iran because wars mm. win re-elections. Mm. That's true too. Yeah, That's... he may not come out and say it right now, but I think this probably in the back of his mind at the very least. I think what it is with him, and no, I don't think I know what it is with him. And Spooge and I talked about this driving up today. The agenda for dear leader, his overall presidency is to erase Obama from existence. Mm. Iran, the Iran deal, they they pulled us out of that. So him wanting, as far as like wanting to go to war with them, uh, I'm not so sure. I understand your point because that is a true point that war is good for re-election. But I think it's more like the, the biggest thing he wants to do is erase Obama's fingerprint from the Iran deal. So he pulls out of it. And then he he goes in there and when talks to him, basically will strike the same deal and call it his. Mm. That's I, right. I, th- I think that I think too. that's a big part of it because he he blathered on a lot about Iran in in the election. Yes, in in um, in the election session before twenty sixteen election. So it, it's yep. he's trying to make good on promises to um, the lugheads out there who voted for him. So. And he might just find it more challenging this time because what he want the dog and pony show is going to challenge these warmongering people in his own administration. That's why that that uh, that component is so interesting because who's going to win in that situation? 
Yeah, see, I, I understand what you're saying, Bill, and, and I agree with it to some degree, except for who we're talking about. Right. If it was any other normal, bloodthirsty person who wants to win the office, but he, this guy's got twisted motives. <laughs> he does. So nothing should make sense. It's a bizarre world. Yeah, you're right. It is absolutely insane. It's just, look at Korea. North Korea. Let's back up a little bit. A couple months ago, you know, Obama told him, the biggest issue you're going to have, this is when they talked, when mm -hmm. he first won, the biggest threat you have is North Korea. Yep. So look what Dipstick did. Let's go to North right. Korea. Let's... Then he, walks out of a meeting. Right, right. Nothing it, accomplished. Has anything accomplished? No, mm -hmm. but Obama's been... Erased from that part of it, and now you say that about Putin as well. Putin, <laughs> say that again. Putin, 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 Putin. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Speaking of dear leader, were we done with that subject? Yeah, I'm good. All right. I I, I heard a funny story. Well, I think it's kind of funny. It's funny, sad, but uh, it's like an influence for sale kind of story about dear leader. Uh, he had bought a mansion in Beverly Hills, California, back in uh, 2007 for an estimated $7 million. Um, and then last year, 2018, 11 years later, the home has gone up in value, like good real estate does, mm -hmm. to $8.3 million. Um, this particular property was just sold to an Indonesian presidential hopeful politician for thirteen point five million million dollars. <laughs> it's a bit of a markup. <laughs> yeah, it was a sixty-three percent increase over last year's appraisal. Uh, there's some interesting facts about this. Uh, this deal, of course, was made off market, so there was no chance for anybody else to bid on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, all profits went directly into uh, Dear Leader's pocket because they wanted him to divest from all of his businesses. He never bothered to do it, never no. put in a blind trust no. or anything. So uh, th this money went directly into his pocket. And uh, I just thought it was an interesting um, bribe from an individual. Yeah. He's an Indonesian billionaire who's possibly going to be running for president of that country and it, it just made me kind of chuckle because again we, we talk about all the crap that he does here's another example because he didn't divest here we get this massive conflict of interest where he's pocketing all that money yep. and nothing will, nothing will come of it so add it to the list it's like Nobs was saying earlier there's no there's no there's no punishment for anything that no. he does and he just moves on to the next thing so quickly and this is going to be on that list as well. So, throw it in the pile. Yeah, exactly. Why don't we talk about our favorite lawyer? Well, we must be talking about Don McGann, then also Dear Leader's favorite lawyer as well. Um, he is the former White House counsel. A mm -hmm. uh, very big part of the Mueller report. Yeah, I uh, think was he's top mention, right? It was, was quoted more than any of the other witnesses. Spent thirty hours in testimony, which is kind of crazy. But he also testified that Trump tried to get rid of Robert Mueller by raising what Trump called con conflicts of interest. So that led Trump to accusing him of lying under oath. So obviously there's been some issues with Don McGahn and 
as you were saying about Stephanopoulos. Yes. Yeah, in that interview we, we talked about earlier, uh, Stephanopoulos had brought up McGann with um, Dear Leader, and Stephanopoulos' point was why McGann was under oath. Why would he go in for 30 hours and perjure himself in front of Mueller? Mueller. Hmm. Mueller. <laughs> Mueller. 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 Why would he do it? No. And then... Dear leader started making excuses that, you know, he he was just trying to be show that he was a good lawyer and this or that. And, and, and Stephanopoulos, I think his eyes were spinning in two different directions <laughs> with this pretzel logic coming out of dear leader. But just unbelievable. And, and Stephanopoulos is typically the consummate professional political experience. To shock him is difficult. I, I, for the most part, he kept a straight face and most of that, you know, I, I was watching him, not the president's, because I, I'm just waiting for looks of shock and dismay on his face, but he's just kind of stoic and stone-faced, but... I, I couldn't do that. Uh, no. So, it'll be interesting if and when we get to see McGahn testify, because they were going to hold him under congressional contempt and... We were trying to figure out if, if they actually had made the vote, which I don't think they did. But uh, he, he has definitely been the punching bag yeah. of, of Dear Leader this week. And if I was him, I wouldn't take it. But a lot of people say the reason he takes it is because he's died in the wool GOP through and through. And what he doesn't want to do is he doesn't want to tweak the nose of people like McConnell, the people who are in power in yeah. the right. So that's why he hasn't defied the order of not going to testify in front of the Congress. Because he's still a fairly young guy, yeah. and he, he knows where his riches are. It's in oh, absolutely. Washington. So he, he he's trying to preserve that part of it. Now, what... They're also saying is that he's actually hoping for the court to force him to testify in front of Congress because then it washes his hands of breaking from the president. He's like, well, what am I going to do? I can't defy a court order. i got to file the subpoena. Then he can go do what he's got to do in front of Congress, and then he preserves his standing within the GOP. So that's sort of what's going on there. He's being pulled in... Too many different directions. Well, he, I think he's playing it smart, especially because I don't believe they voted him in contempt, so he's avoided that bullet. Yeah. So now he's just trying to preserve his livelihood because dear leader here, but he's going to be gone one day. <laughs> dear Lord, when will that day be? But he knows he's got a long, illustrious career. Yeah. You know, it, it, you know another thing that just boggles you, my mind about McGann and, and Dear Leader is as much as he ra- he's beating up on him and stuff, you think about it. McGann is the one who's orchestrated all the judicial seatings, mm-hmm. just about. All, the, the, the Supreme Court. Oh, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. All, the, all the court packing that's been going on, that's all McGann. That's his legacy. That, that's why people love him. And then you got dumbass <laughs> beating on him. It's like... What are you, an idiot? He's probably one of the most valuable people that... He probably doesn't know. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> because he he will brag about all of the all the judicial appointments that have happened under his administration. I don't think he knows where that's coming from. McGann is pretty <laughs> much the puppet master of all that stuff. So even McGann's like, why are you hating on me? <laughs> what did I do? Yeah, seriously, come on. <laughs> They're basically saying they hate each other's guts oh, right yeah. now, but I, I pick McGann to be the, make the smarter moves. <laughs> yeah, he seems to be the more intellectually sound of the two. So that's not difficult that's not to do, much. but not fair. <laughs> that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of McConnell, another piece of shit, a, a steaming pile of runny feces. Wow. How do you really feel about that? Do you, know who he, do you know who he's married to? No. Do you? McConnell? Oh, yes. Elaine Chow. And what is her uh, position? Any idea? Department of she Transportation? Is Secretary of Transportation. That's, well, that's right. She's a frontline cabinet member. Yes. Senate approved, appointed by her, their leader. So she, she, she holds quite a uh, high prestigious, yes. powerful position, and she's married to the uh, number one right-wing senator in the country. Yes. Interesting, right? Yeah. Do you think that's a playground for mischief? Could w- be. Would you think? What do you think? <laughs> I think there's some potential some there. Some potential yeah. there, really? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Well, it just so happens she's not only married to Turtle Man, Mitch McConnell, she's also a very large, or was also a very large, influential stockholder of the largest road materials repairing company in the country. Hmm. So let's think about this the for Secretary a Secretary of Transportation? Let, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, let's think about this for a minute, guys. I want you to think hard. Doesn't take any brain com- cells to put that together. Any conflict of interest just on the surface <laughs> pop up for you guys? Secretary of Transportation and the largest. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm on beer three already, but that still clicked rather quick. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. So, anyways, because of of such a conflict of interest, she was approached by. The ethics people that oversee positions that such as yeah. she has, and they said it probably would be a good idea that you divest all that stock in that company because it might appear to be inappropriate. And she promised them she would, but guess what? She didn't. <laughs> she didn't. <gasps> oh no! <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, oh. I got my surprise face. I'm right just. Now. I'm stunned. So anyways, she never did. And then she did something else. Just, now Mitch McConnell, he's the senator from Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And he's also up for re-election this coming year. So what she did is she appointed an intermediary just for Kentucky. The only state in the whole country that got this special intermediary that would... Try and redirect grant monies for scholar, uh, not scholarships, contracts for fixing roads in Kentucky huh. to the tune of any guesses? Two million, with a B. <laughs> Spooge? Ten million dollars. Oh, it was seventy-eight million dollars oh. attributed to Mitch McConnell and 
these road repair projects, which incidentally, before this intermediary was a, was appointed, they had twice been rejected. Hmm. Anything smell fishy? So, so what's going to become of all this? There's investigations. And, well, and it, about sure two weeks ago, all of a fired, sudden, right? oh, you know, of course, has to be impeached. She has to be impeached. <laughs> but it was about two weeks ago that all this started bubbling up. These news stories started popping up. And, of course, McConnell and his turtle-esque tones, they're blowing it up. Ah, this is nothing. It's coincidental, blah, blah, blah. But the heat's been on for about two weeks. Yeah. And then um, I saw on Rachel the other night, I didn't recognize the congressman, but he was smirking and smiling and said, yeah, there's going to be an investigation. <laughs> Lo and behold, two days later, guess who sold her stock and divested? Huh. Any guesses, boys Mrs. and girls? Could it be Mrs. Treble? No, yeah, Elaine <laughs> Chow. And, you know, and if, and if I really had done some digging... Transportation Secretary, remember that mm-hmm. part? Yep. Her family has a large, large... Ch- she's from China, by the way. Her family's from China. I don't think she is, but her family's from China. They have, like, one of the biggest government-based shipping businesses in China. Hmm. And she was doing some hokey-pokey stuff to try and benefit them because of her position. So... Hmm. There's some interesting investigations coming up. We may hear of this all again. Remember so. her name, Turtle Child. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a soup. Sounds like a soup. <laughs> so I thought I thought that was interesting. Yes. Yeah, that's... I, I would love to see nothing more than Turtle's testicles get in a sling as he's going into uh, re-election. I mean... These people aren't even trying to hide this stuff anymore. I mean, no, they're waving no flags. Exactly. They're, they're waving flags. so blatant. Oh, hey, my law breaking's bigger than his. Hey, hey, over in Kentucky, look at us. And again, it goes back to there being no repercussions. No, exactly. And they know either. it. The they know nothing's going to happen. And, and, and nothing has, so why would they be afraid of it? It's also because Dear Leader does so much other stuff that maybe they think a lot of their yeah. small stuff can fly under the radar, too. Yeah, he, he, he's know. the shiny object. Right. Let's just do what we want to do. Everyone's watching that. That's eating up the news cycle. Seriously. Yeah, by the time we get through the middle of next week, that story will be, gone. be gone. Man, I'd love to see Which that. Which is crazy. That smug prick it is. Uh, I'd love to see him get him in, Lindsay. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. There, if there's two people that need to go... It's those two. They need to go. <laughs> and, and it's amazing. It's still amazing to me because Lindsey Graham was such close friends with John McCain. I think and John McCain had compromise on him. I'm starting to think that because <laughs> um, yeah, as soon as McCain died, it was instantaneous. Lindsey turned into Lee Liberace, yeah. and he's gone crazy. It's. I mean, it was. It was just insane. So it's just he's forgotten all of that, and it's just. And he actually shocked the world and came out after the entire uh, statement that Trump made about taking dirty laundry to the FBI. Yeah, yeah. He, he started to. And he again, initially did. And then, he and then later in day, he, he started dragging Clinton into Exactly. It. it was just, I'm like, wow, is this the return of some form of Lindsey Graham of the McCain era? And no. <laughs> uh, so so I, I thought that was interesting, and I hope it, it, it uh, drops on them like a rock yeah so 
Speaking of rock, let's rock with the debates. There, there, we finally have the... It's uh, a dirty segue. <laughs> I am a DJ. I am not a play. <laughs> the debates are set for the uh, 26th and 27th of this month. Uh, we won't spend a whole lot of time on it. There are two nights, 10 people per debate. And uh, it's an interesting way they they broke things out. It was fair the way they did it, but it's definitely um, uh, personality heavy on the second night with with Biden, Bernie, hmm. uh, Kamala Harris, and Mayor Pete. So uh, it's definitely heavy wow, towards yeah. the second That's night. Some heavy hitters there. And then the first night, um, Warren is probably the big shooter of the bunch. So. To me, I think that's a more interesting night with her sort of being on her own because she's a front runner. Sure. And the rest are barely one percenters for the most part. I don't think any of them are over one percent. Well, Beto is. Oh, yeah. So Beto is probably her, her biggest numerical challenge. For sure. In yeah. it. So, anyways, I, I, did, I only brought this up just to see if you if you guys had some thoughts. On uh, the matchups that are coming up, and uh, if there's a candidate or two that you're looking most forward to seeing, so I'll let you start, Nobs. Any input on this? Um, let's let's take a look at the list here. Um, I've I've always had kind of an interest in Beto, so I'm really interested to actually have see him talk in a debate. So sure. that's going to be a big, almost like turning point for me. So I'm familiar with the guy a little bit, but I want to see him actually debate. So that's going to be good for me. Uh, otherwise, I think the Bernie Biden lineup, that's huge. Because those are the two front runners, I believe. So, Yep. Um, but Mayor Pete, I mean, I really like that guy. And I don't think he's a big front runner for this next election. But I could see, you know, upcoming terms. He could be a big player. So, yeah, those are my big names that stand out. But. Spooge, what do you think? Uh, the first night, I think, is a huge opportunity for Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. I mean, she sure. is the front runner of that group. She'll have people that are, like you mentioned, Beto, and uh, Cory Booker's also in there. He's going to want to make a name for himself, get those poll numbers up. But I think this is her chance to look like a front runner and say, hey, you're all talking about Biden and Sanders. Here I am. This is my night. Listen to me. And I think that's going to be really something to watch. Night two, just this clash of front runners. I think, as right. Nob said, is going to be very interesting. I'm going to be watching Mayor Pete very closely because I'm very intrigued by him. But he seems to be buried by the Biden Sanders and even yes. Elizabeth Warren parts of the race. This is his shot to kind of put his name in there. Um, he has the intellectual ability to do it. He does very well in interviews. He mm-hmm. is very well spoken. We'll see how the ideas come out because this is this is when the ideas have to start flowing, and the cameras are going to be on him, and it's this is his shot. So I think I'm going to be watching him very closely, and of course I'll be watching the front runners, but I'll be keeping an eye on him in particular on the second night. Yeah, and and, and if you think about it, these are you've got ten candidates, and it's only a two hour debate, yeah. mm-hmm. so they are going to be fighting for oxygen in the room. Right. And they're going to be looking to make a statement or something that catches people's eyes. Because it's going to be a lot of noise with all those people. That's going to be a lot of noise, you know. 
I don't think it'll be contentious. Not not this debate. No, but, not yet. But especially for the one percenters, they've got to do something that that gets them some spotlight in all these because there's <laughs> there's a lot of people up there fighting for time. It's flooded. Yeah, it's flooded. So, um, I I think all of us are in agreement that uh, the whole Mayor Pete thing. I, I think. I agree. Good word for it, Spooge, was intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, Spooge and I were talking about this on the write-up. We talked about a lot of stuff, but this is another thing. We are talking about Pete Buttigieg in that the guy is rock solid on it. He thinks on his feet. He's super smart, highly educated, mm-hmm. highly uh, experienced. You know, a uh, war veteran. Yes. Road scholar. The guy's been a mayor of a major city. Granted... It, what is it? Is it Fort Wayne? Yes, I think it's Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne. It's not a huge place, but he's gay in a red state. Mm-hmm. And but also has ties to Christianity as well. So oh, that, that, you know, that's another very interesting thing about him. is he, he One of the legs of his platform is definitely coming from a, a Christian viewpoint. And... And that almost seems contradictory because mm-hmm. he's this gay guy who's supposed to be, oh, the sinner, oh, sure. But yet he he definitely is a spiritual person yeah. and he talks about it a lot. So he's gonna he, he's gonna create a quandary for people out there. You know, I I can't remember what episode it was, but it was a few months ago. I said that I think a really good chance for a Democrat to get back in the office was to have a more conservative leaning Democrat more central and i think mayor pete may tick a lot of those boxes for that he might might bleed over he might bleed over into the the religious right and pick up some votes yeah Yeah, for sure i think you have to get some of those conservatives back over just a little bit to vote blue yeah well especially here in the midwest i mean i live in the county that helped swing the last election because trump took the blue collar vote from that county which was known to lean democrat not by a lot but we lean that way Mm -hmm. And someone like someone like Buttigieg, he he is is gay. Obviously, he has ties to Christianity, and his ideas are not in the same ballpark as Sanders and right. Elizabeth Warren. So that should be interesting because being gay puts you under the perception of being progressive. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that plays, and especially with uh, Biden is considered the other centrist. Of the group, yep. so we'll see. Once that's in the, in the debate format, how that all comes together. I mean, do they stay on the same side? And here, over here, you have Bernie and the other progressives. I really am looking forward to seeing how that plays out. He's younger too, right? Yes, thirty-seven. Yeah, that's yeah, really young. I, I tell you what, I, I want somebody young. I, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody keeps saying Biden is our best chance for beating dear leader. <laughs> In a lot of ways, I really don't want to see that happen. I'll vote for the guy. I mean, I'd vote for a till of the hung if, <laughs> if he'd beat Trump, you know. I'd vote for a sub sandwich if it was against Trump. <laughs> but but I'm a really sandwich maybe. Mm, I'm really yes. hoping that we get someone young in there with some fresh ideas yeah. who's not corroded and and ruined by being in Washington, yep. someone coming in fresh. And I'll tell you, I think Buttigieg, so far from what I've seen, he's ticking almost all of those boxes, mm-hmm. if not all of them, for me. 
I mean, if I had to pick someone right now who I'm behind the most, it's probably him. But, again, Spooge and I were talking on the write-up, and we were saying that up to this point, he hasn't really been, like, running on ideas, per se. It's more he's getting himself recognized and known, which is half the battle. Yes. Right. You, you get people have to know who you are. And it's weird... That him being this openly gay married person, you would think everybody would know who he is, but it's not true, not not yet. Right. So I think he's his campaign that he's been working heavily on getting his name and his story out there and all that kind of stuff. Now I hope as we we start we're starting to turn the corner where they've got to come out and start putting down their planks sure. of their platform. And we'll see where he goes from there. Yeah. And you know, I'm hoping to stay with him because I'd like nothing better than to see him. A, a, my one wish would be to see him and dear leader up <laughs> on the stage in a one-on-one and to see Pete twist him in knots and, and just turn him inside out because on logic, intelligence, and just being a human being, he's heads above them. Um, and he, and there he was a stroll in my backyard earlier. That's smarter and more intelligent <laughs> than right. Trump is in a debate. Yeah, they nominate him. I yeah. want to see a debate between Squirrel and Donald Trump. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Dearly? I'm going to write in Dear random leader. squirrel in my backyard. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> squirrel 2020. <laughs> you, know, you know what? The, the one thing that I, I keep hearing over and over again is that what's probably... Even in these, as early as we are, what's hurting Buttigieg at this point still is the African-American vote. Because all the numbers, all the polls show that his biggest followers are highly educated, higher income, white, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So if he can tap into the African-American community, and I, I don't mean that in... A using way, but if he can get in there and start relating to them, because th they're a minority, they're an oppressed group in our country. Well, guess what? So is the gay community, obviously, yep. LGBTV and all that. Um, so I think that if, and I'm actually confident he doesn't need my opinion or my direction, but I believe that he's going to go into those communities and I think he's going to find common ground for those reasons, and I, I, I'm hoping that he starts to collect their approval and, and their support because if he gets that, I'm telling you, oh, I, sure. I, I think he can shoot. I think he can yeah. overtake mm -hmm. a lot of these old crows that are up there for at sure. the top right now. And what he and and I, I follow some some pretty crazy people on Twitter. There's a few that carry forward political events like some do fantasy sports they project okay well in this fantasy draft or what have you well they're trying to think of what would happen if biden has a a gaffe that just blows him out of the water and who, we're all expecting who, it yes and but who picks up the pieces that biden once held sway over right someone like Buttigieg would be perfect to walk into that position because again policy wise they're closer to the center um, I think they'd be more likely to pick up his voters than Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, or even Kamala Harris would be. So that would be interesting, too, to see if something like that happens. Can he step into that position mm -hmm. and occupy that space? 
I mean, so many things can happen. And yes, Biden is a gaffe machine. I mean, we've witnessed it several times, whether it's a, a, just a verbal gaffe or plagiarism or things that have dogged him in the past. So again, I I really look forward to these debates. I, mean, I feel like it's the Super Bowl for geeks. <laughs> Speaking of the debates, uh, we're new to our neighborhood, as you guys know, and I'm slowly becoming good friends with the neighbor across the street. And today we got to talking about politics Ooh, and stuff. You, you broke the politics ice, huh? I found out. Yeah, Two thumbs up. Yes. <laughs> They're, they're they're activists. They're in Washington for the science really? marches. They're in Washington for the uh, the Women's Day. I don't. Is it, that wasn't what it was called, right? The Women's March. Women's March. Yeah. And we got to talking about the debates coming up, and I don't know why I never thought about this. Spooge has, and in our conversations driving up, we talked about it. But he he was excited to hear that we were going to be watching the debates, and mm-hmm. he suggested having a debate viewing party, like people do for the Academy Awards and the right, Tonys. Yeah. It's it's a blast. And he and Spood said they've had one before, yeah. and never dawned on me to have that. Mm-hmm. So so they want to organize with the neighborhood both nights a party that Wednesday and that Thursday, and I'm like two thousand. All right, that's <laughs> I think, awesome. I think that would be amazing. So anyway, <clears throat> going to be live tweeting this. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, we'll do something. Ah. And you know, it's another interesting. interesting side note of the conversation I had today with them is they're activists, mm-hmm. like I said, yep. and they're big. I think it's not it's Second Amendment for the U.S. It's the gun thing, but I think for Michigan, it has to do with the voting districts and the oh, gerrymandering yep, yep. horseshit. Well, they work on that. They're activists to get rid of the gerrymandering. So I, I said. I floated the idea of them coming on. Perfect. And let's My talk. Question. Gerrymandering drives me crazy. Yeah, it's a it's, massive issue. It, it's it, a it huge is. issue, and, it, and it's and it's so um, devastating to people's free right to vote. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I told, I gave them all the lowdown about the podcast, and I said, listen to a couple episodes, and I said, we'd love to have you guys on. Because remember, we were talking about trying to get, more, you know, we always talk national politics. But we argued about trying to get something a little bit more local. This is perfect. That'd be very interesting. And and so him, both of them, Mm -hmm. the husband and wife are both activists and into it. And I was just like, this is cool. That's so awesome. This is awesome. So anyways, I I saw him today right before we left. This was a couple hours afterwards. and And he was driving by and he stopped. He saw me outside and he goes, Hey, Fred. He goes, what time are you guys on tonight? He thought it was live. Oh, right. <laughs> I said, well, it's Monday morning. <laughs> I said, yeah. we'll probably be up Monday morning. I said, but uh, thanks for asking. But it, it's cool because he was excited about hearing the podcast. Yeah, and hopefully I, they'll, they'll come on. And I think it'll be very interesting because that's a hot topic. Yes. It's, it's a huge problem in this country. And how anything like that even exists oh, it's mind-boggling because if you if you look at those gerrymandering um the districts oh it's it looks like looks like dear leader took his crayon and oh absolutely yeah, he, put, he took his big sharpie and they told him to draw yeah. a straight line and this is what he did it looks completely random but yeah. someone put a lot of thought in <laughs> oh, to, yeah, to it, manipulate it yeah, it is random every, <laughs> those yeah, are every not district random. is it looks random 
Oh, and you see, not. and it's funny because I used to not, when I was younger, I didn't pay attention to election night where they would get that map on the screen mm-hmm. and they'd go from district and county to county. Yeah. Now I watch every bit of it because you can see exactly how that plays out it's... and how the colors go. And it's just, you see the real world impact of gerrymandering and it's mm-hmm. a huge issue. I would love to listen to that, to them to speak about that. Yeah. So I'm going to try and uh, get them to listen to a couple. I, I would. I didn't bring up the Barb McQuaid thing. <laughs> Don't bring up Barb McQuaid. <laughs> so, anyway, sorry, blog. I, I just thought that that it'd be very interesting to have them on, and uh, and I told him, I said we talk politics, culture, and I said we like craft beer, and he was just telling me about some recent craft beers he tried mm-hmm. at Water Dirty oh, Blonde. Yeah. He goes, I had it there, and he goes. I've had it at home a couple of times. I said, "Well, you're gonna you're gonna like Perfect. our podcast." Perfect. Absolutely. Speaking of beer, I think we're it's about that time to yeah. crack another one. Yep. I've ran out twice. You know, we we've been remiss. We did not do a bottoms up. Well, let's do one now. Bottoms up. Bottoms, bottoms up. up. Beer two on the way. Beer two. All right. Well, before we get into the next beer, what's your guys' final thoughts on beer me? It actually changed. Mm-hmm. We, we had a little bit more, and it just, the second one was just a nice, smooth answer to the yeah. first. We went through two. Yes, we did Spoiler go through alert two. Yeah, it, 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 admittedly, yes. Because that's but, just how smooth and easy it was to drink, was <laughs> midway through, we were just like, another one, yeah, beer was, me, yeah. another beer me. Yeah, we, we beered ourselves once more. Do you, do you so think the name good. of it beckoned to us? Yeah, I think it did. Beer me. We just wanted to say it again. Yeah. It's just, let's just be honest. So. <laughs> Props to, uh, to Odd Side yes. for creating a very drinkable beer. Yes, I, I do take back some of my. I take some back some of my basic mm-hmm. accusations from earlier. So if, if I had Sometimes a beer list in a, in a bar or restaurant, I'm probably not going to go for that yes. one. But again, a nice hot smooth. summer day, yes. eight pack on the shelf. I'll know, take it over a Miller Lite. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> a yard to mow. Yes, I might be getting it. If I'm cooking so. up something on the grill, it's going to be with me. So yeah. so that makes me happy. Fred, how do you feel? You know what I got to say is, as the beer went on, I liked it more. Mm -hmm. And probably, to me, the most outstanding and and appreciated part of this beer, in compared to, say, like other high-dollar big producers of beers that are equivalent to this, you know, like a Bud Light, a Blue Light, Miller Light, all those kind, Mm -hmm. is that this sort of had similar taste, but all those other beers, to me... Always have a shitty aftertaste. Yep. This finished very, very clean. Yes, it did. So head to head against its competitors, oh, I, absolutely. I would absolutely. Yeah, it blows a Bud Light out of the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah no yeah. doubt. It, it's sort of in that arena, but this is definitely a head above. And I, I liked it a lot more. By the end, it definitely. I, I said for me initially, well, I was almost a meh, mm-hmm. but I said for for me, yeah. It was good, and I'm gonna stick with it. I, I did. I found I liked it a lot by the end. I, th- I think I might transition to a for me. Yeah, well, you don't have to, but you, you can be with the to. cool kids if you want. It's fine. But anyway, moving on. Um, returning to the House of Knobs is this in the trove? This is in the trove. Yes, was it, it was. In the treasure trove. It's it's out now. It's out now. <laughs> is uh, we're going back to Old Nation. Yeah. This is a uh, cart horse, which is their New England IPA. Which we had another one on the show, M forty three, which is also a New England IPA. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of intrigued that they have two of the same style. 
So like the M43, they also suggest that you roll the can, which we did off air, to get all the sentiment oh, out. Oh, so. we rolled the can. <laughs> Well, they, they, these, these New England IPAs have pulp in them, yes. like orange juice. And because of the carbonation, you can't shake the can even yes. though you want to. You know what these need is like the Guinness can. They have that little charge inside of them, that little CO2 charge. I've never seen that. No? Yeah, if you, if you get Guinness and can, it has a, like a little plastic thing inside the can, and it... And it because they claim that the Guinness is not good without a nice frothy head on it. Hmm. And so when you pour it, if you, if, you, if you don't have that charge in there, it won't froth up the way it's supposed to. Hmm. So I think the New England IPAs could kind of benefit from something along those lines hmm. yeah. where they put that, whatever that thing is, I, I don't know technically hmm. what it is, but it, it gets it going. So maybe that would get the, the pulp inside this beer Kind of mixed up a little. So it would be more right. similar to getting it off tap because yes. off tap, Ooh. it's it's perfect all the way down. So. An M forty three on tap is just a sight to behold. It is <laughs> that bright orange and all that pulp in there. On pouring mine, I can immediately see the difference. This is yes. a lot less pulpy than M forty three. It's a it's a little more golden yes. versus orange. This is like your standard IPA color, whereas M forty three is more like a screwdriver. What we yep. said in the last episode. So, yep. but. It's got a nice color, no real head on to it. No. It's sure it's dark for being gold, but uh, let's give it a go. Pottoms up. Pottoms up. up. Right. So you can hear that dead sound <laughs> yes. of the glass because these glasses are clinking too much. We are testing surface tension again. It's a lot of citrus flavor to it and smell. So uh, 60 IBU. Is that high or low on that scale, Fred? I think that's on the high side. I think it is. I think low is like, say, 40 and under. Yeah. I if, think 40 kind of is right. Mid. I don't pay much attention because bring it. Right. You bitter, drink it regardless of IBUs. It. You, don't, you don't buy based on IPU. <laughs> <laughs> he says that some might say, beer me. Beer me. Beer me. <laughs> beer me. Any beer. Uh... Spooge, what do you think? I'm actually enjoying this a lot. It's pretty good. Um, I love the citrus part of it. That's it's it, it's it's blatant, and I love that part of it. Mm -hmm. I'm already a fan. Very refreshing. Um, <clears throat> no, it, it and still smooth. Yeah. Um, and I, I just again, I love the citrus part of it. I, I first I thought it might it might be a little too much, but upon second sip, I'm I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> Fred, you had a. Blue Moon before the show, and that's a uh, Belgian wheat, isn't yep. it? Okay. But that's also very citrusy. Would you compare that to this at all? Because they're both very citrusy. Yeah. This is almost like a Blue Moon on steroids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, I I kind of like it a little bit more citrusy than this. I, I you want more citrus? Yeah, but that's just me. I, I like the real grapefruity. Mm. But... Comparing it to the Blue Moon, yes, I, I definitely see the the similarities in it, even though that's a wheat ale. Um, I also see a lot of differences in this from the M43. I agree. For it, sure. It's, it's a cousin, but they definitely have a lot of differences. Mm -hmm. I mean, I kind of like the pulp. Yeah, me too. I, I was kind of looking forward to the, the floaties. I was looking forward to it. Um, 
And like I say, I, I get the citrus in here, but I wouldn't mind more personally. It's not bitter enough for me. I think this is way smooth. For an IPA that's at 60, I, to me, this is smooth. <laughs> Very smooth. And see, and I think where you and I differ is I don't love when it gets into the grapefruit arena. I like just about this much. Don't be a hater. <laughs> don't hate the fruit. I wasn't saying I was right. <laughs> uh, kind of was, but... <laughs> it's a good beer. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I, I, I guess when you reminded me that this was the same brewery as M43, in my mind, mm-hmm. I had set up what was coming, and this is not it. So I think for me to give my... A good solid opinion. It's going to be at least half beer. Okay. Below the Red Wing label. We'll revisit it at the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I like it. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not quite sure what to think about it because my mind and my tongue are fighting right now. <laughs> I'd like to get Z's opinion, our beer expert, on what makes a New England IPA an IPA and why they can be considered two different New England IPAs but be so drastically different. Yeah. That, that's what kind of interests me. Yeah, because to me, this is closer to a standard IPA yeah. than, say, an M43. This is a non-bitter IPA, in my opinion. And non-pulpy. Yes. So, well, you'll see GZ hopefully uh, Saturday. Oh, cool. So, we do. We'll have to remember to inquire. Because inquiring minds want to know. We want to know. Okay. George Conway? <laughs> bottoms up. Let's do it again. Yes. Let's do bottoms Since up. we missed it earlier. Oh, that's a little better. Yeah. Just we drank it down a little bit. So, anyways, today our our plan, our grand plan for the day, got a little muckety-mucked up because of uh, the spring we've been having in Michigan. It's just rain and ugliness. Uh-huh. I mean, we're, we're this time of year we're normally high 80s, mm-hmm. sunny, humid. Summer's a full full crank, and today we got up here. It was a 71 when we got here, <laughs> and within a half an hour, it had dropped to 56 yes. degrees. It plummeted. But we got to back up a little bit. Our plan today, since Knobs Estate is very close to Lake Huron, one of the greatest lakes, we Someone had planned on uh, our maiden voyage of our kayaks for the yeah. year. We were going to go down to the beach, go into Lake Huron, and uh, go mess a boat in the lake for an hour or two. And then the uh, second part of our plan was to come back here and have Nobs grill up some butamous dead animals. <laughs> and then we were going to have some uh, libation and jump into the podcast. Well, so we did half of that. <laughs> yes, we did the dead end. <laughs> but because of the crappy ass weather, we had to uh, bail out on the kayaks, which was a major bummer. Yes, yes it was. It's been a while. Uh, we thought, well, eh, what's the point in grilling? Let's go get barbecue, which we did. Which was really good. Yes. It was excellent. You want to give was, them a plug? Yep. Uh, shout out to uh, Lakeshore Smokehouse up across from Lakeport State Park. Fantastic barbecue. Yes. In the brisket what was outstanding. Lakeport, that is called Lakeport. Yeah. Lakeport, Thumb. Michigan, in the Thumb, right along uh, Lake Huron. Yeah, that was some delicious food. The, them loaded fries, though, right? Yes. Come on, yes. describe what those loaded fries. So are. it's a massive takeout box full of fries, 
pulled pork and cheese. Just the best things in life, really. It, it, it's Lots the dream. It is the dream. Yes. Come true. So, so, so that was good. Uh, and then, of course, the podcast happened. We did drink beer, and the podcast is in progress. So, But uh, anyways, our plans that got messed up today were sort of going to be our cultural topic mm-hmm. for today. And we had considered canceling, but we said, well... Just go with it. Let's just go with it. And we're going with kayaking. So uh, that's what we're going to look at today. Um, The three of us all are kayak owners and kayak uh, enthusiasts. Mm -hmm. And um, so what we thought we would do is is, um, I had created up a little short list of questions just to kind of throw around the table and uh, get get everybody's uh, answers on this because... Uh, I know these guys, but I don't know the answer to these questions in regards to them. So it's to me, it should be kind of interesting mm-hmm. and hopefully interesting to you too and uh, make for some lively conversation. So we'll start with you, Nobs. Okay. How long have you been in the kayaking world? Uh, I think it was 2013. 13. That was when I got mine, late 2013. Okay. Follow up question? What got you interested into it? So I was actually up in Ross Common with our uh, mutual friend Bubba. Mm-hmm. It was a bachelor party for a mutual friend of ours, and we went on a kayak canoe trip on the Osaba River. Most of the guys went and got kayaks, and then I wasn't familiar with them. I thought they tipped easily, so another friend and I got a canoe. <laughs> well. No, canoes are way easier to tip. <laughs> we didn't tip, thankfully. But we Every saw, kayak owner knows that. Yeah, yes. We saw plenty of other canoes that did tip, and it was a pain in the ass to just <laughs> paddle this canoe. And I said, no, like, look at these kayaks. That's the way to go. So I think within a month afterwards, I bought my first kayak. And okay. it's just been fantastic. That was the icebreaker. That oh, big red God, icebreaker. That, you know that behind Yes. <laughs> I've never seen a kayak push so much water in my life and make so much noise. Yeah. <laughs> I think you've helped me lug that thing around once or twice, too. Yeah, it's a yeah. I pulled a couple muscles yeah. doing that. I think it was damn near 60 pounds worth of kayak for a single seater. For a six-foot kayak? That's amazing. <laughs> All right, Spooge. How long ago for you? Uh, it was 2015. Good thing. Okay. So four years ago. Cool. And what, what got you interested in? Well, actually for me, it was that the rest of you guys had started jumping in. And I was just, I was intrigued by it because I had canoed many times. And I had gone to Stony Creek and did the obligatory two-hour rental, mm-hmm. um, which was a good time. So that sort of tickled my fancy a little bit for it. So I'm like, okay, let's give this a shot. I am the consummate recreational kayaker. Um, I am by no means advanced. You guys are all on a different level than I am skill-wise, I can safely say. Um, Yes, I am by no means advanced. Um, My current kayak is very small. It moves a lot of water like they were talking about knobs. He has kayak Um, envy. (laughs) Yes, I, I do actually. Um, but yes, that's how that's what got me interested. Oh, okay, that's cool. Uh, for me, how long have I been kayaking? Uh, I want to 
say 15, 16 years ago is when I first started doing it, mm -hmm. but I only rented them at that point. So you were saying 14, you bought yours? I think 13. 13. 13 is when I bought, finally spent the money and bought my kayak that I still own today. Uh, so that's how long I've been an owner. Mm -hmm. And what got me interested in it? Well, mostly it had to do with physical restrictions, believe it or not. Uh, I used to be a hardcore backpacker mm -hmm. and also a hardcore soccer player who was the, had bad knees from many, many years of battle on the pitch. And it started becoming apparent in my backpacking that my knees were giving out and I was unable to carry the pack half the time and it ruined... I went on my last three big trips, I couldn't end up carrying my own stuff mm. on the way out. Everybody else had to grab my stuff and it just sucked. Yeah. So... I started looking for an alternative that could keep me outdoors, keep me in pristine places that other people aren't willing to go and see. And so I thought kayaking would be a great transition. And so that's the sort of the genesis of my interest in kayaking as I saw it as a way to backpack, but not in the water. Yeah, it's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Because I just couldn't bear the weight anymore on my mm -hmm. knee, but put a couple of dry bags in the kayak, there paddle on, right? Absolutely. So. Oh, very cool. Um, for those who aren't really uh, in the know about kayaking, they're definitely not all the same. By no stretch of the imagination, they there are different types and they have different applications, so we thought we would kind of touch on a few of those. Um, Spooch had mentioned that he owned a recreational kayak, right? Yes. Right. And those generally are the ones that if you rent a kayak, you're going to get mm -hmm. from a livery or at a beach or whatever. They're generally around 10 feet. And the thing mostly that makes them recreational is the width. Mm -hmm. yeah. And usually 30 inches or 30 inches plus yeah those are normally the recreational kayaks the width makes them stable because kayaks for whatever reason have this uh notoriety of flipping easy trust me canoes flip easy yes, yes. i agree but Absolutely. in general terms it's a general rule the wider the kayak at its widest point the more stable they are the less they want to roll. Mm -hmm. So that's why those are the type that are normally uh, rented out because they're safest, they stay up. Okay, uh, They're generally, like I said, around 10 to 12 feet and 30 inches minimum and built for comfort. Yes. They're built for comfort, just paddling in a river current or uh, just stroking them, poking and stroking on a lake or whatever. The next is uh, touring. That's the type that I happen to have. Um, they're generally 12 to 14 feet long and they start to narrow up. I believe mine is about 24 or 25 inches. Um, and, and when you say the word touring, it's generally for long one day trips or shorter, uh, camp overs, yeah. like a two day, three day, maybe if you pack real light, but say 
a, a nice long one day or an overnight two day trip would be touring. It's usually when you find storage compartments front and back as well. Yes, exactly. Put a lot of your gear yeah, in. That's that's a good point because they have these dry areas on the kayaks which don't always stay dry. No, but they have rubber seals. Yeah, and you can pack your camping gear or <clears throat> whatever hammock. Hammock. Oh, there you go. Uh, food, supplies, all the stuff you need to either um, deal with weather conditions or uh, your camping stuff if you're planning on doing an overnighter type of thing. Then we have sea kayaks, which generally run anywhere from, I guess they start 13, 14 feet up to 19. Yeah, 16, 18 is pretty common for a pretty sea common, kayak. But some of them will get maybe 19. Yeah. But we'll say 17 probably is the, the average. And those are very narrow kayaks. And a, lo and a lot of times those kayaks also have uh, foot pedal steering. Mm -hmm. They have a rudder uh, because... It's much harder to turn because they're so long. Right. It's harder to turn. And plus, if you get into open water like sea or big lakes, kayaks sometimes, if they're short and we don't have a steering system, will we'll act real squirrely. Mm -hmm. You're paddling right and it's going left and it shouldn't be. It like defies <laughs> physics and logic. Well, you get into these larger sea kayaks, and a lot of them have rudder systems. You drop them down in the water, and you control it with your feet, mm -hmm. and it's the only way to keep going straight, tacking straight. Um, so those are probably the, the three most common. I'm sure there's other ones I'm missing. I'm no expert by any stretch, but those are generally the three that you'll see. And then the other kind of division between the kayaks are the closed tops and the open tops. Mm -hmm. um, the open tops seem to be very popular for people who like live on lakes. They don't want to mess around with climbing inside of a kayak. They just want to sit on top, go get some sun, paddle around the lake, go out to the sandbar, have a couple bottoms ups, that kind of thing. And also, it seems like those also sort of lend themselves to people who like to fish. Yes, that's what I yes. was going to say. It's used for fishing because you have a very big, wide, open deck for yeah, all your yeah. equipment. And I believe they're more stable than a sit-in. Yeah. So you can reel in a fish without tipping over. Yeah, so the, the, the open tops, you see a lot of them set up for fishing. They have areas for poles yep. and for tackle. Even a chair. Yep. Yeah, even a chair, yep. Yeah, I've seen people are sitting chair, on top. Chair, cooler, like, yeah, and you can get them decked out. Yeah. I've seen those with uh, foot paddles for propulsion as well. You just, just paddle your kayak. <laughs> You've seen the kayaks that have the sails on? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, all of us own closed tops, and I, I don't know, I, I guess I just was never saw any reason to be open-topped, the sun baking down on you like that. Plus... Yeah. Plus, they're not like if you're going to have to portage, which means you got to pick up your kayak. Like if you run into an area where the water gets too low for the kayak to mm -hmm. go through, you might have to carry your kayak. Um, those, those open top ones tend to be very heavy, yes. and they're made of a lot of plastic, the spun plastic. And you don't want to be carrying that over no, your head. No. So the closed tops tend... That's a big difference I probably should point out. The closed tops tend to run lighter in weight when you get into these open tops they're they're pretty heavy boats so uh so any comments on the open versus the close you guys oh any reasons yeah. why you like one versus the other i think a sit-in is just more comfortable yes. for me i like being a little bit down closer on the water it feels more stable to yeah. me um 
And also another thing with the closed top is, uh, I mean, like, especially when we get out on Lake Huron, sometimes the waves are coming over the mm -hmm. top and, and normally the weather's nice. We don't care about getting a little wet, but if it was inclement weather, cooler, you want the water off of you. So the, the, the sit-in style will protect you a little bit more from the water. Yeah, it'll kind of just wash over it. Yes. Yeah. And then you can have a spray screen. Yeah. Or skirt. 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 Mm -hmm. Skirt. So, anyways, those so those are generally the types. So, uh, why don't you um, give us a little rundown on, on your rig? What are you running right now? My, my rig? My What's your up? rig? What's your rig, man? Um, I have a Liquid Logic Remix which is actually a hybrid kayak. It's a category that um, you didn't mention because it's fairly... Because I don't know it that well. Well, it's it's part whitewater, part recreational. And whitewater is not a super popular category of kayak. I got it because I really like the seating system in it. It's very comfortable. It's also very stable. But it's very flat bottom. So just out on a river and a lake, it's it pushes a lot of water. It's... Not an easy paddle sometimes, but I could probably stand up in the thing and not tip over. It's so super stable. Um, no, it's a great kayak, and it's super great on just a, a nice paddle down a lake. And that's, that's the type of paddling I enjoy, coasting down a lake. Okay. How about you, Spood? I'm blanking on the name. It's Sensation or... Speech. Uh, the the first one you had, same brand. What was the first I one you had? The I red one. I'm, I'm I can picture it. I don't know what it is. What? Not Sensation. Those are power boats. No, it, yeah, that's... beach something beach. We'll come back to the name. We'll figure that part out. Yes, but it is. I mean, it's what I like about it is, like we were talking about, the more recreational, they're wider. Um, it is a little bit heavier, but it's very comfortable to sit in. Um, I'm not in the greatest shape, so it actually helps me to have more comfort. Um, but I, it's good. It's still good to get into a lake with. We paddled some on Lake Huron up here, mm -hmm. under the under the bridge and all that. Future beach. Yes, Future thank you. Thanks. Oh, I don't know why I blanked on it all of a sudden. <laughs> Perhaps it's the citrus beer. <laughs> but yeah, and I've enjoyed. It. I mean, it, it can take some punishment with waves. It's not completely useless in a lake. But I love the comfort, and I'm really disappointed we can get, couldn't get out there today. Yeah, it's, it, it's been quite a while for me, so I was I'm looking forward to getting back in soon. You know, I want a uh, follow up question for you, Nobs, and I'll, I'll bring it back to you as well. What's the length of your kayak? Uh, ten four, I think. Were there in that particular model? Could you have gone bigger? I think there was a twelve footer. And why did you pick the ten? Was there any reason? Um, for the way I like to kayak, that's kind of more the optimal size for going through um, rivers that can have a lot of fallen trees and debris in them. You want something a little, a little bit more nimble? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, how big are yours? I think mine is about 10 as well. 10 feet, which is very inches. typical yes. for recreational. Yep, yep, yep. Okay. Um, my kayak is a Necky brand, um, and it's a 13-foot touring and um, the reason I picked the boat that I did is generally the longer and more narrow the boat are, they, they track straighter. Yes. It's 
a lot less work because I'm doing a lot less correctional paddles mm -hmm. versus, say, Spooge's 10-foot where he, he, he's doing army paddling. Yes. Left, right, left, <laughs> yeah. right. Oh, yeah. I do some weaving. <laughs> the, the, the shape of my kayak is very long, very narrow, mm -hmm. kind of needle-like, yep. and it tracks true. So I even when I'm going berserker and paddling like a maniac, the boat is correcting for my inability to paddle correct. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So so the boat kind of makes me look better than I am. <laughs> and also, meanwhile, I'm spinning in circles over here <laughs> and pushing water, yeah. in my <laughs> creating waves. Uh, and uh, another reason I. I bought a little bit larger, longer uh, kayak was to get that um, dry space compartments in yeah. there because uh, I haven't done it yet. I have not taken my boat on a, a camping um, excursion yet, but I have plenty of room to do it. So that, that was another reason I liked a little bit extra length because you get a little bit more storage. Yeah, more storage space, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. I think you already mentioned it, Knobs, but... Uh, there's, there's all sorts of different scenarios you can use a kayak in. Is there a particular type of paddle you like? You know, do you, do you like a river with a lot of current? Do you like the open lake? Do you like a quiet pond kind of thing? Any, Give me a slow-moving river any day of the week. Yes. So we always do our... Uh, you know, end of the summer camping trip and we almost always go kayaking at that time and that's just a trip down the Osawa River and you know, we'll spend three four hours and just sit back and let the current take you down and that's some of my favorite kayaking right there I don't need to go you know up a river or anything or even white water even though I have a white water boat um, being on the lake is pretty nice as well wide open lake even just kind of throwing off an anchor and just sitting there in the sun for a while is pretty great as well. It's it's just so relaxing for me. I don't want anything too strenuous. I just want to be out on the water and just relax and paddle. Spooch. Uh, I will actually echo what Nob said. I like the more peaceful paddles. <laughs> uh, a trip that we actually all took together years ago is one that sticks out to me. We went to the Pinery in Ontario. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And it was kind of a combination of both. We spent the first day on a very calm river. There wasn't much of a kind of a current to it, mm -hmm, yeah. um, but we ended the trip going out into the lake, mm -hmm. and it was just about the the time for the earlier part of the sunset. It was just the the waves weren't too crazy, but we all got out there together and just it was just a beautiful day. So it just it can be peaceful in both ways, but I like a combination of a little bit of it. Like, and I think we also took another trip up here, on uh, Black River. Yep. And again, that was, we snuck into the lake just for a, a little bit, but it, it was still just a very peaceful day. And just to get out of the water, nothing brings more peace than being on the water. And that's what I get out of it for sure. I'm kind of like a variety paddler. I, up here in uh, the Port Huron area, we have a great 10-mile um, loop. Yep. That, the loop of Port Huron. Yep. It, it, it's actually, it's an awesome loop in that it offers you probably four or five different paddling conditions in a 10 mile thing because mm -hmm. you where we normally go in you start out on a three-quarter mile um, canal which has a kick-ass 
current in your face. There's going to be a pretty strong current yeah. when you're starting out. So you're thinking, ah, it's only three quarters of a mile. Well, that'll take you a half an hour Easily. of paddling because <laughs> that was physically painful. Yeah. yeah. If you <laughs> stop, you're losing distance. You, you stop, Real you're going point. back to where you came from. So the, it's the, three the, four or five minutes of nonstop paddling. Yeah, it's only three quarters of a mile, and what it does is is you. You will paddle your ass off that first 30, 40 minutes. But then if you can get past the beach, then you're out mm-hmm. in Lake Huron proper where we love to go out maybe a mile, mile and a half, and we just grab each, grab the kayaks and kind of create a flotilla. Yep. And we'll sometimes just hang out there for hour, hour and a half, just getting some sun and bullshitting. It, bullshitting, having some laughs. Watching freighters go by. Yeah, love the freighters. Okay, so so right there we've had kind of two experiences, right? Then what we do is we start heading south towards the Blue Water Bridge, Uh and now you're getting into the the St. Clair River, which has a pretty nasty current, but you're going with it this time. Yes, and And it narrows down as the current picks up. Yeah, and and we've been out there with six-foot swells before, full-blown freighters going by Mm -hmm. here in it's just, it's an amazing speedboat, speed sailboats. It's crazy. So we do that for, I don't know how long that, that. Just a sidebar here real quick. Sorry. But going under the blue water bridge on a nice cloudless day is, it's like heaven. That's what three it's, of us did that day. So it was awesome. so, I still have pictures from that. It was just, it was a beautiful day. Going between U.S. and Canada. Yes. It's, it's so cool. Yeah. That goes from Port Huron, USA to Sarnia, Canada, Ontario. Yep. So. Yep. So we go under the Blue Water Bridge, and and that to me that's the funnest part is yes. that that stretch that goes under the bridge, and then we end up in the Black River, which goes through downtown yep. Port Huron. Straight downtown. That part eh, could be a little shorter, well, but don't there's forget a, there is the I don't know if you remember or not there is the beer store right on the river. I didn't get there yet. Okay, sorry, I'm jumping. Well, ahead. I was going to say the, the one good thing of the Black River. The Black River is long and it's kind of slow, but about three quarters of the way back to where the launch is, mm-hmm. there is a beer store on the uh, on the river. Yep. And we're down in our kayaks, and you throw money up at them, and they throw beer down at yeah. you. So they'll come out to you on the launch. You don't have to get out of your kayak or anything. Nope. Just say, "Hey, do you got such and such up there? Like, give me a Snickers bar and a six pack." Like, okay. Bring it out to you, yeah, give them a change. They pack a six pack in a bag, a plastic bag with some ice yeah. and your candy bar. And then it makes you smile the last part of the trip because you've kind of worked pretty hard for most of it. It's a treat. And then you get that treat at the end. So um, that to me, I, I, I kind of like it mixed up. I think mm-hmm. I would get bored if we just did one type for too long. So I, I kind of like that that loop is to me is perfect and it takes depending on how fast you're paddling three to four hours so it, it's great yep. it's it's great you get to see a lot of cool stuff and it's an awesome trip so so in your kayaking experience has mm-hmm. there been a single trip that you can kind of point to and say that was my best kayak paddle and this is one of those days that makes me come back and want to do it again jeez you know can i pinpoint one no okay uh let me give you three (laughs) 
Paddle on. Uh, one would be one of our many ensemble trips that we've done over the last few years, just paddling down that. That's always great. Uh, throwing jello shots to each other. Um, Thank you, Miranda and Half Pint. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we've done the Port Huron Loop several times, usually part of Paddle and Pour, which is an event that used to go on where people literally from California have come over to Michigan for that, to paddle around. Just, you know, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, we had a big group of us and just going along that. And then afterwards, we did a big barbecue and drinks. So it's a huge event that used to go on here, and I, I miss it. We don't do it anymore. Um, and then our Maybe that's your calling. Pottoms up on the river. Pottoms up paddle and pour. There you go. We could sponsor. Paddle and pottoms up. There we go. Put us in the back of one of those boats. <laughs> be interesting. Pottoms and paddle pour and pottom. No. We'll work on that. And then uh none of it's work. <laughs> one of the best trips was just our mutual friend Bubba and I. We went out on Lake Huron in like late September or something. It was a weekday. We both had the day off of work for some reason. Just a beautiful 85, 90 degree weather. We just went out. Shouldn't have been that nice of a day, but it was. And just went out on the lake. I think we slept on our kayaks. It was so calm. Then we actually had a storm pick up or like high winds. So we were paddling back to the shore and just waves crashing over us. And it was just tons of fun. Um, I would have to agree about that 10-mile loop is amazing to me because the first time I went with you guys, once we got through that first current, which I thought you were both crazy, (laughs) because you were both pulled ahead, I was pretty much paddling still. I'm thinking, oh, I must be moving. I wasn't moving. (laughs) Yeah, you were backwards. Yeah, pretty much. Once we got through that... kayaks went forward. Yes, exactly. I'm doing this wrong. But once we got into Lake Huron and once we got to the St. Clair River and went under the bridge... That was just amazing. The the freighters were coming through, mm-hmm. so we had the wake coming. It was just that was a great trip. We stopped at that beer store. So exactly what you described is my favorite trip. Yeah. Just because it's a little bit of everything, and by the time you're done, you've had a f- complete day. So yeah, I love that. And, and one thing I'd like to add to both of their stories about being on the St. Clair River under the um, Blue Water Bridge, you may have seen freighters from the shore <laughs> yeah but you you earn a new respect yes. for the massiveness the size the power of a freighter when you're in a, a wee little 40 yes. pound spun plastic dinghy out next to one of those uh-huh. things it's just it, it it's unbelievable you just are in awe at how massive it's very humbling you're, <laughs> you're an aunt to them you're not yes yeah yeah you don't want to get too close and get sucked into that, but <laughs> it's an amazing thing to be out there playing with the big dogs. Yeah. So. Do you remember when like Superior and everything was all filled with ice and the freighters were all um, like anchored out here? No. We went out there. No. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. I, I I remember hearing about it, but I I never came up and saw any of that. Maybe that was just Bubble and I then. But we went we went out there when all the freighters were just right off of Port Huron. Because they couldn't go north anymore because it was, it was, it was filled with ice still. Sure. But it was nice down here. Nope, mm-hmm. nope. That yeah, was not to be amazing. That was yeah. Yeah, there was a whole bunch of them out there. It was pretty awesome to see. Wow. Okay. Um, my favorite trip, it was, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm 
pretty sure it was my second trip that I'd ever gone on. And uh, a good buddy of mine was a uh, Michigan State trooper up in, um, what's the name of that river up there? Manistee. Mm -hmm. Manistee. He he lived near the Manistee River. And uh, he rented the kayaks for us. And he laid out a um, 55-mile, three-day camping trip with kayaks. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, when you go 55 miles on a river with current, it's not that bad. Sure. But I would say that was probably my most memorable trip. Uh, it was pretty cool the first night. He had this planned out so cool. He figured how far we could go first day, and then at this point where we were going to come up at, he had steaks waiting for us. He had him. He had nice. set up a cooler there, oh, so we had steaks. There you go. Yeah, we we actually grilled. That. He went ahead. Huh. Oh man! Had little treasure troves. Yeah, little treasure troves at each stop. So the first night we had the steak thing, and then the uh, the second night, I don't remember if he did anything special there, <laughs> but it was just a fantastic trip. We had about. Eight or ten kayaks, and what what was really cool, and almost creepy, <laughs> cool creepy, when we pulled in at that first stop to do, to set up camp and do our steak dinner type thing, all of a sudden other state troopers started kind of pulling in just to check on us. Huh. It was kind of weird. <laughs> how how did they know where the heck we were? You know what I mean? They they had our buddy trooper had this all planned out and we pull in cops pull in and then they're just man we're just here to make sure everything's cool okay see <laughs> thanks big brother was watching us yeah huh? wow but anyways um <laughs> that that trip left a great impression on me it was a fantastic trip it was three full days of paddling and uh we had a blast and in and that one, that trip really set the hook as far as like seeing what the potential of owning a kayak mm -hmm. is and what you can do on it. And just had a fantastic time. There's no alcohol involved, which is sort of weird. That doesn't sound like you. Hmm. <laughs> what was going on with me back then? Were you sick? I, was the... I think it was the malaria. <laughs> that was the year of the malaria. Yes. So, anyway, that, that's my favorite trip. That no, sounds amazing. Yeah, it was good. And, and uh, as far as kayaks go, a, a lot of um, kayak shops around here, at least, um, if you have interest in the sport, they will let you take boats out and paddle around yep. to see if it's something that you guys might like. You know, that, that's the way to do it. I highly recommend doing yeah, it because you don't know if something's going to fit you or sure. feel good unless you actually sit in it. So don't buy a kayak online unless, no. unless you know no, no, what no, you're no, doing. No. Yep. And, and 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 if I can inject this, and and Nobs had made a point of this before, and I, I meant to say something is. One of the most important, at least to me, and this is what we found to be true, probably one of the most important features of a kayak is that seat. Yeah. Because if you're in a kayak for three to eight hours in a day, you got to be comfortable. So there's a lot of kayaks out there that are slick looking, that are beautiful looking, mm -hmm. that are cool looking and all that kind of thing. They have shitty seats in them. 
I'm telling you, buy your kayak for function and seat. Overall function and seat. And you won't you won't be disappointed. Now if you're buying a special clearance kayak at Walmart or something, it's not gonna have a comfortable seat. No. No. So. And, and and you will find that you won't want to go out and do it because you will be in pain. So the the a lot of the halfway decent to good kayaks these days have highly adjustable seat configurations yep. and um I'm telling you, <laughs> do yourself a favor. If you have any that. interest in it, the first feature you want to look at is that seat and then find the seat you like inside the type of boat you yep. want for, you know, for the right application of how you want to paddle. So, I wish I could take my seat out of my kayak <laughs> and put it into a different one. One that's a little bit more streamlined. <laughs> you make big big bucks now. You can just buy a second one. <laughs> no, my big bucks is in this studio. <laughs> it's in the beer you're drinking. <laughs> righty. Well, with that, bottoms up, eh? Yes. Bottoms up. Out. Because, baby... Cause baby, I hate you Cause baby